Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. We are. Guys, I am so excited for today. I'm so excited for this interview. I'm just excited because my guest today is fun. He is not only a content creator and producer and, and marketing thought leader, but he's just fun. He's entertaining. He's cool. In fact, how cool is he? Recent quote, you either die a salesperson or you live long enough to see yourself become a marketer. Isn't that true? Well, here we are. Who are we going to talk to? Well, this guy is well known for wearing panda-footed pajamas in the content he creates, in the professional B2B marketing content he creates. What? How does he get away with it? How does he do it? And yes, it makes really good content. He's the host of the Customer Engagement Lab with 60-plus episodes of goodness. 60-plus. Senior digital content producer at PandaDoc, Travis Tyler. Welcome to the show, sir. Casey, that's a hell of an intro. I feel like everyone's like, this guy needs to be really funny now. So uh, maybe I do like a like a <laughs> like Rusty the Clown laugh to like loosen up the the juices here, buddy. I like it. Can you do the rest of the interview completely in that voice? Is that is that a is that an ask? <laughs> um, I feel like your listeners would turn this off really quickly. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be really fun. You know, one time I I was expanding uh, companies interest into the UK. And so we had a like a company-wide meeting and I spoke in a British accent the entire time and we all drank tea. I made tea for everyone, right? Uh, not to stereotype an entire nation or whatnot, but, uh, but then after speaking like that for an hour, it was hard for me not to. It was really interesting. So it's probably better we don't have you speak in that way because then you know Panda might be like, give us our guy back. He can't stop talking like that. <laughs> or they're just like, you know what? Maybe we should go our separate ways. Yeah. You know that content you've been creating? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Travis. The pajamas, know, the costumes. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. Well, dude, I'm excited because you've been podcasting your ass off. And I want to learn more from you about your journey with that. So, Travis, pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. The most important strategy for a great interview podcast for me, for PandaDoc and the Customer Engagement Lab is to make it fun. Make it fun for you if you are my guest. Make it fun for you if you're my audience. And make it fun for me uh, as a host. I know it sounds maybe simple, but if we dive into it like I know we're going to, I'll show you the complexity that can bring a lot of entertainment to this world that is historically a bit dry. Yeah. I mean, because I just think, I mean, you're fun. So I think if if we were both having fun, we're probably, it's probably, that's probably worked, but you never know. Maybe the audience is like, man, that's too much fun. I'm out. Yeah. Um, they probably would have been out a few episodes ago. Uh, <laughs> but if this is your first one and you're leaving so soon, I'm sorry. Uh, don't let the door hit you. Exactly. But yeah, there's a lot of things to balance, right? What if your guest isn't fun? And all tell me about how how do you make it fun for all of these people? 
it's about injecting the comedy that blends with that person's sense of humor or just with your own. And it takes some, it takes definitely some practice. So I did improv comedy at a local theater here for about three, four years. And that just helped me understand how to build a comedic moment with people who don't know me. Um, and creating the joke together is really the key to that. When anyone has ever been to, if they haven't, that's cool. I'd recommend it. Check out a local improv night. Um, the best moments are when the audience and the performers are the ones that are in on the joke together. And if you weren't there and you're trying to explain to somebody, oh, you should have seen this scene, it just it doesn't hit the same. So injecting that sense of humor, that comedy with um, with your guest, with your audience and creating it together. Yeah, that sounds freaking fantastic. Um, I imagine easier said than done. So, I mean, talk to us about improv. Let's take a little sidetrack into improv land. Tell me, tell me what we need to know about it. I think that one of the things that makes a good improviser isn't as intuitive as one might perceive if they're unfamiliar with it, which is the best improvisers are not the loudest. They're not the most physical. They're not the ones with the wittiest jokes. Um, they're the best listeners. Every line that your partner gives you in a scene is a gift and you have to recognize it as such. And um, people may or may not be familiar with the improv technique of yes anding, which is somebody says something and rather than reject it, which then leaves the scene going nowhere, yeah. you accept it regardless. And it doesn't just mean you say yeah or yes and. Uh, you have to continue with that train of thought and require some creativity um, to, to bring them back into that reality you're creating together. So I think whether you have a dry sense of humor, whether you have you know a bombastic, loud sense of humor, you're a physical comedian, you're a witty comedian, you can bring those. Um, but that would that would definitely be something that I think people need to realize. Um, it just comes from actually really practicing the act of listening to what the other person says. So really interesting that you, because I, I think of improv shows I've been to, um, maybe fun I've had in theater groups in the past, you know, just doing fun improv games. And you're right, it, it's tempting to get sucked in and thinking about the loud or the most silly person. But oftentimes the funniest moment, you're right, comes from that person who just was really paying attention and then just dropped in that thing or, or just played that part so well um, and brought that whole audience in with them on the joke like you're describing. That's that's super cool, man. Um, how do we do that? One of the best ways to do it is to look outside of biz the business world for okay. inspiration. That would okay. be my number one recommendation is step outside of the business world that is so serious and boring a lot of times, unfortunately, and just so analytical as well. Um, comedy is an art and you have to you have to get some exposure to it. So one way to do that is to just go onto your podcast streaming platform, Apple, Spotify, and give a shot to some of the top comedy podcasts. So some of my favorite, and they are, you know, depending on I'll give you a trigger warning here. Some of them are really inappropriate. 
obviously. They have explicit labels. Uh, but some of my favorites are going to include Two Bears, One Cave with Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer. They're two stand-up touring comedians um, based out of L.A. and Austin. Another one is one that Tom does with his wife called Your Mom's House Podcast. Um, another one with Andrew Santino is called Bad Friends and Bobby Lee. And the two of them are absolutely ridiculous together. Um, so that, again, just going, like you said, to some local improv shows as well, local stand-up nights, and just getting a feel for like looking around like the audience is your barometer. If you're not funny, you're going to find out really, really quickly uh, if if that's the case. And with podcasts, and that can be tough because you and I are going to hit pause or hit stop at the end of this recording. We're not going to know for quite some time if this landed. Um, so it can really be helpful to get your chops and to do some practice and get some inspiration outside of podcasting and outside of business and seeing it in real time. Makes total sense. What what about improv, if you were, were to boil it down, make can make a podcast so funny? What is there a is there a one thing that yes. you bring from that? Absolutely. The number one thing is when you when you get to study improv, it allows you as an adult to let go of the fear of looking stupid or silly and the fear of embarrassment. And when you are able to let go of that in front of 10 people, 50 people, 100 people on multiple occasions and do it on stage where you're the only one talking, that is so powerful because you stop getting in your own way. You stop um, being so stiff and that ability to loosen up and shed your embar- your fear of embarrassment is the number one thing that can can come of it. And we have not ever talked about that yet on this show. Powerful, man. So powerful that we can be getting in front of our own way as podcasters, thinking that we're going to sound like an idiot. And you know, I think one of the things I, I learned from Rogan was actually... I think I even stole this line from him. I don't know, but he, I think he calls himself a caveman sometimes. Oh yeah. Um, And I just, I've literally, I've owned that title too. And I'll just, I'll tell guests like, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm an idiot. Uh, So, so, and everyone listening, yeah, I'm an idiot. So whatever happens next, you know, I'm, I'm just going to ask the dumb question. Like maybe you all know this. I don't know it yet. So bear with me as I ask our guests, you know, this thing. Um, and it certainly has freed me up to ask the thing I really want to know so I can stay engaged. I think, in the, yeah, what you're describing, that self-deprecation is an, is is definitely a great skill to practice, to make your guest feel more comfortable, um, to make yourself more comfortable. You know, all of us grew up at one point or another getting teased in some form or fashion. And if you, a lot of times when comedians are first getting started out, especially with stand-up, you know, some of the first bits they're coming up with, with their their tight five or whatever, is going to involve some self-deprecation of making some observations about themselves and how they are might be perceived. Um, and that can be just a great tool to like disarm your guests, disarm your audience, build some trust. Uh, and, and and display empathy. It's one of the greatest forms of empathy you can display. Is the self-deprecation? Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's you, right? So you you're not running the risk of making fun of someone else. You're making fun of yourself. So what are they gonna? What, you, what can you do? Right. Exactly, and you, you're showing some self awareness and observations that yeah. they themselves are probably having about you, um, and it's it just shows yeah an ability to get into another person's shoes and view yourself as them. Yeah, self awareness and humility. See, all these things come; these like core concepts come from this path. I, I do want to say it's kind of funny that uh, the two most funniest people that have ever been on an interview together at all time um, have had the most serious, deep, introspective conversation <laughs> about podcasting for the last you know few minutes. Um, why is that? What did, what did we do wrong? Why this is great. By the way, this is great. I, I feel like I'm learning so much. I just it's it's kind of funny that, you know, I think a conversation about funny is actually so deep and interesting. Yeah, it's the meta, it's the meta part of this, right? Really we're is. we're talking about how to talk about it, yeah, um, being funny. So um the a couple other pieces of advice I do have for how to make this come together, how to have fun on an episode or bring yeah, some please. improv. Uh, I would recommend doing a pilot episode and getting feedback before you launch your show. Uh, it was something that we did with our show and we found a couple of key stakeholders at our organization that we definitely wanted to run it by before it went public. Sure. Um, and in that pilot, we went, we went for the fences. We swung for the fences on like, I, as a premise, was like, this is going to be a, co a business comedy show, and we're going to have segments and bits, and I'm going to draw inspiration from some of my favorite podcasts, from some of my favorite shows on television, and we're going to just go for it, and I want you all to see what we have in mind. And that was really powerful because I was able to show it to like, you know, individual contributors, managers, directors, all the way up to C-levels, and say, like, what did you like most and why? what could you have done without and why? And using that feedback to then, you know, that pilot episode, never saw the light of day. We threw it out. Wow. Never used it. Never used it. Yeah. Never used it. That was, that was literally a step that you needed to take internally. Mm -hmm. it's, it's cool idea. The idea of just actually doing it and, and not even needing to ask for forgiveness because it never actually went live, but saying, right. here's something solid, critique a real thing. Yep. As opposed to, you know, and I guess you kind of skip the planning phases of everyone sort of talking about things and overanalyzing and, you know, over designing and producing at the beginning. You skipped all that. Yeah, it it allows people, especially marketers in business companies, tend to have a hard time uh, with you have seven different people looking at a, a Google doc on a zoom call oh, yeah. discussing so many things and every great, in my opinion, most great content or shows was really the brainchild of like a small group of people, one, two, right. three, four people with a vision who all got it. And right. then they pitched it to the executives with a pilot episode right. and they were able to see the vision come to life. And I got this, um, I got this bit of advice from um, a guest we had on a podcast episode. His name is Matt Price. And it's a lot easier to give concrete feedback to a concrete um, product than it is to give feedback on a pie in the sky idea. Wow. 
Shout out to Matt. Words of wisdom. Yeah. Confucius reincarnated. Over What's at Zendesk. On? Shout out. Shout oh, out. Oh, Zendesk. That's awesome. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Feedback on something that actually exists. Huh. So yeah. have you ever gone back and listened to that pilot? No. Would you ever you air that or you can't because you screwed up too much in it? Oh, no, no, no. We just taught. It was just bad. It was like, you know. Um, you should kind of you should throw that on your YouTube channel or something like your personal. You, you know, just <laughs> if like, I can find it, I would be down you should, to. You gotta find it, man. Um, it's like it's like that classic episode one. I remember my episode one. I was using GoToMeeting, and this is not an ad for GoToMeeting, as <laughs> you'll all find out. Because back in the day when we were using that tool, you had to actually share your screen in order for it to record video. So because I didn't share my screen on the podcast, there's no video of episode one. It's just merely audio. Thanks, GoToMeeting, for that uh, <laughs> user error. Um, but yeah, like you're kind of getting a feel for it. But I love the, you know, this ties back into your letting your letting go of fear, looking stupid and all these things. Mm -hmm. You're not even going to air it, right? Let's just do this episode, not going to air it. And it was just you and your co-host just yep. like that. Yeah. Two squirrels, yeah, just, one tree. Exactly. It just it let us get all the the nuts loose, and yeah. um, there was a there was a lot of fear for the first for me at least the first thirty episodes. Once I hit really? thirty episodes, is when a lot of the fear went away. I just I was comfortable. What was, the, was the fear that like the corporate like let's make sure we check off the boxes or fear of yeah okay yeah because we're doing a podcast like you and I talked about in preparing for this like doing a podcast for a brand right this is PandaDoc. Uh, and their podcast. And I didn't want to embarrass the company. Um, I didn't want to get in trouble. Like, I didn't want to get fired. Um, but I had the to... guy wearing panda PJs. Yeah, it's, it's a it's like a onesie. It's a panda onesie I got on Amazon. I expensed I'm it. I'm wear it today. You're all serious <laughs> today. You got, you got the sharp haircut. Yeah. I came on to talk about podcasting. And I was like, this is my my bread and butter. You know, I right. take it serious. Right. I don't take myself seriously, but I take what I do seriously. Um, and then my, I want to share my last piece of advice too on like how to make uh, a podcast fun. So yeah, yeah. one of the let's tricks. Do that, and then let's go back and talk about how you keep the brand happy. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to dive into that. My last kind of, you know, way to make this come together of making a podcast fun is, and this is how I do it. You can take the idea. You can... Somebody to go kick rocks, but I like to give my guests something to react to. Whether that's a, you know, I wrote some jokes for them. Um, I give them a puzzle to solve. It, it could really be anything, right? Like clips to show them, like a funny TikTok or YouTube clip. Uh, maybe an article that I think is, you know, terrible uh, or great. And then, you know, or just an idea, right? Like I'll even have some people um, at PandaDoc record an audio clip of you know maybe a sales tactic they're using or a question they might have for my guests because they, they know that person or maybe they don't. But it just breaks it up, the monotony as well for the listener, makes it more fun. And the best part is that the commentary and the reaction, that's the fun part, right? It's not always just mm. like I created some outlandish TikTok of me in a PandaDoc onesie. Yeah, that part is fun, whatever. Uh, but sometimes I, I present them like, a serious TikTok, and then their commentary is what's the funny part of just like this guy's an idiot this guy's a joke right we're talking about like i don't know grant cardone or somebody that's just you know 
does stuff for the likes and is just really outlandish. Right. Uh, and then we'll break it down. And that's that's the fun part. So that would be my my final tip is giving your guests something to react to. And that's that's live on the show. Give them something to react to. Yeah. Sometimes a day before I give them a planning doc, we can get into this later, and the links to those clips will be in there. And I tell them they can look at it. Half of them do, half of them don't. Um, they can look at the link and watch the clip and have something witty to come up with so they sound even smarter. Um, or they want to break it down and really think about what they would like to comment on with that, yeah. right? Uh, especially my marketers. Salespeople tend to fly by the, you know. Yeah. See their pants, right? They're just, they're, they're whatever. Yeah. They're like, no, this is the first time I'm seeing this clip. Let's go. And I'm like, all right. Cool. <laughs> so that would be my last part. Wow. Yeah. It, I mean, it takes a little bit more production to do that. For sure. What, but what do you get from the guest when, when you get there? So you get funny, right? So you get that fun, maybe not funny, but, or it could be funny, but you get the fun. It's entertaining for everyone. It mixes it up. Yeah. What I get is authentic, improvised moments. And that's what I'm, that's like, that brings a lot of great energy because like questions, like they can prepare for them. They can know exactly what they want to say to them. But once we get a conversation going, like it's like if you have a friend over, if you've ever done this um, with a significant other or a friend where you guys kind of just pull up YouTube and just start watching like videos together and you're like, oh my God, this is awesome. And it's just, it's kind of something fun. It creates a little camaraderie there. Oh man, that's so good. Uh, you know what? There's, there's always, there's some, there's some guests that can do this and you're just crushing this. And I can't imagine myself doing this, but um, you know, you come up with a concept and you're sort of hashing it out together, and then you just throw a badass name to it, like it was in a textbook. Authentic improvised moments, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Definitely gonna Thanks, quote man. you in the in the in the tome of knowledge that that uh, one day comes out about podcasting. But <laughs> yeah, authentic improvised moments, and that is just fresh, right? It keeps people keeps people reacting. Yeah, it and it it feeds the audience what they want. Um, a lot of times, I try to put myself in the seat, empathize with my audience, and they want to listen to a podcast to be entertained. And um, for me, I, I listen to podcasts for two reasons: one, to be entertained, or and or to be educated. Right? Yeah. Like I want to improve myself. I want to learn something I didn't know. I want to hear a good story. Um, I need a break from music. Right? So I'm going to turn to this. Um, and and that's where I go. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll tell people, like, typically I'll, I'll listen to like a Joe Rogan episode if I want to bro out, just sort of like casually learn something or maybe just be in the same room of two interesting people just hanging out. Yep. Um, but if I really want to learn, I'll go throw on some Lex Friedman or something and talk to an astrobiologist, physicist, quantum mechanical wizard, you know, <laughs> and, and just saying all sorts of funny crazy things I don't even understand and like, okay, now I'm, now I'm learning, but you're right. Like there is that desire. Sometimes it's both, you know, maybe this show is both, maybe your, your show for sure. Um, I love that, that kind of aspect. And the one other thing that you reminded me of with your authentic improvised moments was there's, I mean, YouTube, we can draw such great com comparisons to that. Uh, it's just another you know channel to serve things up, but people have done some great things there. There's a a show, you could even call it a podcast called Dive Talk. Have you heard of that one? No. So uh, YouTube and the algorithm and its infinite wisdom, 
<laughs> which one day we will have churches uh, for, um, recommended on one of those late night binges that I, I go check out Dive Talk. And it's these two absolute professional cave divers that are really funny, uh, Gus and Woody. And they basically will watch a video. And one of them, Gus will have seen it, but Woody, who's kind of funny without trying, has never seen it before. And he, they'll just comment on all the unsafe things. I don't even scuba dive and watching these guys talk about it. And you're like learning random facts about scuba diving and getting narked. And at the same time, you're watching Woody just say the absolute silliest things. And, and it just sort of, I, I see exactly what you're talking about. It's both entertaining and it's just fun. Yeah. It, it's, it's why Twitch is a company, right? Like yes. people love watching people play video games while they're playing video games and it's i mean that's just like what a concept but we humans are odd creatures <laughs> odd creatures indeed well let's let's shift it up a bit talk to me about wearing a panda suit mm -hmm. and being nervous about and rightly so about you know embarrassing your corporate brand and how yeah. do you balance fun and corporation it is a level of trust and respect you have to, a mutual trust and respect you have to build with key stakeholders of your organization so for me that's our founders our c-levels um my bosses and it took some time didn't happen overnight and you have to push the boundaries when we started this podcast i was like hey guys i have a vision and I know it might be uncomfortable for us to double down on funny, but I will remind you all that the name of our company is Panda Doc, not, you know, desk documents. I mean, it's, <laughs> we have a fun name. Yeah. And that is an angle I would like to play up because it uh, aligns with me personally. And I think I can bring in like just a genuine level of fun to this brand and I'm going to push us in this direction and it might be uncomfortable at times and you might get worried. That's okay. Let me know when I've crossed a line and I tried my best not to take it personally, but I did have to have a couple stern talking to's, especially in the first six months of launching the show of just like, Hey man, I didn't really like this one part that you put out there. Um, and the, what, the feedback was what, very what did you gentle. Do? Like, in as generic as you need to talk about it, like yeah, the the different kind of lines. I can get very specific with you. Yeah. So in improv, there is um, a term for it. It's called blue humor, and it refers to bathroom humor, right? Like poop jokes, fart jokes, bodily functions. Those yeah, types my kids of are great at these. I am a thirty-one, about to be thirty-two year old male, and I still love them. Um, and I'm an adult <laughs> that pays for a mortgage, so. I made a joke with my co-host about him eating his own boogers and I kept going with the bit and I thought it was funny because I find boogers to be funny, but it was pretty far removed from what we were talking about. And my VP at the time, he didn't like it and it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like we're canceling the show. It wasn't like, um, you know, Travis, you are a bad person because you made a joke I don't like. It was none of that stuff. And I think that's the fear that a lot of us have 
with like being on LinkedIn and our corporation, our corporate version of ourselves that we put out there is like, well, you know, my work is serious. I need to take this work serious. And um, I just kind of let that go. And it might be easier for me for many reasons, uh, because I am a white cisgendered male in America. And, you know, maybe because I have points of personal privilege that other people don't, I recognize that. Aside from that, though, I do believe that I went into it with that mindset of I'm okay crossing the line because I need to know where it is. And once we had those conversations about the booger joke, I can't remember what the other one was about. I think it was, I think it was just that I had a different VP who was like, I love your show, but I want to encourage you that people come for the crazy content, but they stay for the community and the education that you can provide. So let's, let's give some more of that. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. That's actually, and they were like, you're a funny guy, but you also can be a serious guy. And I, I know that about you. So Let's bring both sides of that personality to the table. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, That's a hell of a great way of telling someone that. You could easily botch that feedback. Yeah. And again, I'm lucky. Like two of my bosses that I've had here at Panadoc have been here with me for three years. And that is one of the biggest, that consistency is one of the biggest reasons why why I feel comfortable enough to do what I do uh, and outlandish stuff. I posted a TikTok today of of like getting into a, you know, an altercation with somebody from DocuSign and I dressed up as like <laughs> a piece of paper in a suit and like you know, those types of scenarios that I put out there like I only feel comfortable because my bosses haven't quit, they haven't left, they're still they're here. Gotten fired. <laughs> yeah, we've been fired. They've got my back and I get to hear the feedback from like yeah. all the way up to like our CEO, CTO, CRO. They're like Travis, I love this. This is great. Keep doing it, buddy. Like just really great positive reinforcement. Um, and when I do cross the line or like I could do better, they give it to me in a gentle, they know I'm sensitive. They know I'm a good dude and they give it to me in a gentle way. Gentle feedback. <laughs> I think that's another fear we have is not necessarily the fear of looking stupid or the fear of of rejection, not even from our audience, but from the people we'd love to just like, great job, Casey. Man, your show sucks. Not only does it suck, but you're fired like, God, yeah, that's the worst. Um, man, great feedback. I will have to check out that DocuSign. Maybe we can link to that. <laughs> battling that. Um, you know, I it almost, as you were describing that, I just sort of in my mind was wondering if it's almost like there's maybe these zones where there's like green, orange, red or something where you, you say something in the red and you're dead, you know, like you say something in the red and we've got, you're, you're like, you need to cut it out in like, literally cut it out of the episode or don't air it or something. But then you got these orange things and it's almost like finding out where orange is comfortable, but you're pushing boundaries. But, but at no time have you ever like, have you ever touched a red? (laughs) Have you ever? Yeah. 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 So I did an episode with um, somebody from the product team. And the oh, title we'll of say the no episode. more. I'm product team sucks. So <laughs> just kidding. That wasn't. No one said that. No. Uh, they're gonna clip it. Uh, okay, go ahead. No, I did an episode with a guy from the product team, and he he had done this really cool experiment where he pretended to be a secret shopper, and um, was able to like highlight you know gaps in our customer journey that he had experienced, 
from trying to purchase the Panadoc software. And I thought it was really cool. And I was trying to come up with a title to, you know, grab attention and eyeballs for the episode. And I think I titled it like, um, I can't remember exactly, but something along the lines of one new hire to fix all the problems on your product team. Right. It's very clickbaity. <laughs> it's obvious. It didn't land well with some of the people that were not that I didn't interview. I only interviewed one guy, right? Like it was just his perspective. And a lot of the people on my product team, their feelings were hurt. Uh-huh. And um, they expressed that to me. And we had to have a conversation. And I I apologized. And it it again, I don't think it created too bad of blood for too long. I think they were just, you know, like, hey man, like there's like 45 people on the product team that work really hard every day to make sure that we have a great product. And it just made us feel like useless. And I was like, I am so sorry. You're right. Yeah. You're right. My bad. I was like, do you want me to change the title? They were like, no, no, it's okay. They're like, we're just letting you know. And I was like, I appreciate it. I would, I would hate for you to like, just angrily be quiet and hate me forever. Yeah, just passively hate you. <laughs> and they were like, thanks for taking the feedback so well. I was like, noted. Just every that day, take a little bit out of the lunch you left in the fridge, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah man, <laughs> just just, start leaving like one star reviews on Apple for me. Like, yeah, who's doing that? It stinks. <laughs> well, but I'd even argue that was like orange and you did, you handled that really well because you, I would say, you know, that red where you're like, you, you kill the show or you, you threaten the brand is, you know, maybe say something racist or. Oh, I you did know, some, like, yeah, I did do one. Dead, I can tell you about you one them. like that. You want a good story like that? Yeah, you done. You, all right, let's get real. Oprah. Show. Yeah. So this, and again, I'm not proud of this. I share this right. with no like sense of right, pride. Right, right, right. The only pride I have is just that like, I learned my lesson, you know, right. but um, a couple of months ago, I want to say, or maybe close to a year ago, um, somebody had posted about one of my coworkers. Uh, they screenshotted his post and then with Photoshop, they changed the wording insinuating that he was a sexual predator. Oh, he was, his original post had been about like some sales tactics of like how to use an out of office email reply, automatic reply to like get that person's number and then follow up with them. Sure. And then, this other, you know, third-party person um, was calling that predatory, and crossed out the word salesperson and wrote predator, 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 and then in their post was like, you know, this is demonstrating acts of like sexual predatory behavior, and um, I comment. I was all of the comments were like, you're right, this is disgusting, and nobody was like coming to my coworker's defense, so I commented, um, and you know, just basically said. Um, I understand what you're trying to do, but this is like not the right way to do it. And it just further pushes your woke BS agenda. Oh, and sure. It escalated. <laughs> it went viral. It got like 500 comments on it. And um, it ended when the original poster tagged my, you know, VP of HR my boss and another person from HR and was like, you know, does Travis, does Travis make Panadoc a safe work environment or an unsafe work environment? Um, Cause I was starting to clap back at people in the comments and stuff. And I had to have a couple talking to that was on LinkedIn. 
It was all on LinkedIn. Yeah, you can find it. I mean, I'm not going to like share. You could probably Google it. If no, you no, no. But enough. yeah, I I hear you. Right. So that's. Yeah, that's one and, of those things where. And I am a liberal. I'm, a, I'm an American good. liberal. I, I vote Democrat. But I was just so like frustrated with like, you know, people getting canceled. And I was like, mm. this is such a stretch. This is so unfair. This is my friend. You don't even know this person. And you're right. alluding that he could potentially be exhibiting like rape culture behavior and like i was like i'm gonna take a stand and i just decided in that moment that i was gonna be a keyboard warrior and yeah. go at it with somebody and uh in my le- it was my lesson of like for me personally i'm not interested in uh responding to toxic super toxic content or comments anymore right. because it is a reflection of pandadoc and i don't want to do that and and harm the brand and like harm other people in the process with like my own opinions and it's just not worth it, man. I was so stressed for like a couple of weeks. Like I thought I was going to get fired and it just, it wasn't worth it. So if your listeners are like, cool story, what's the lesson or takeaway from all of this for like podcasting is like, if you're going to do fun, edgy stuff that sometimes gets controversial, be prepared that some people aren't going to like it and you might get comments. And my recommendation as a professional content creator is don't respond. Um, try to... Um, try to apologize if if it's necessary. If you really did, you know, hurt somebody or punch down on a joke without intending to, um, especially if it's like a vulnerable group of people. Um, but yeah, just best not to respond to the trolls. And I know there's different opinions on that. Some people are like, actually, if you respond, like my good friend Todd Clauser over at Lavender, yeah, um, he's like, actually, if you respond to trolls. You can turn them into your biggest fans if you like hear them out and give them a chance to like explain or talk to them and like don't take it personally. So there are some tactics that sometimes you can take. Um, in this case, I don't really think like in this specific story I just shared it was great, but um, there are situations where like if somebody doesn't agree with like your marketing, you know, advice, like you can actually engage them in a like a neutral way, yeah, uh, and and have that fuel for future content to like a new topic. Like, hey, some people are concerned about this when it comes to this. I'm going to address that. Let's talk about it, and then you can create content. That's actually really creative. Other times, especially on like certain platforms like TikTok and Instagram, it's like the comment section is where you know the human race is most embarrassing, and it's just like. <laughs> so toxic so i don't i don't waste my time in there <laughs> you could have puppies dancing on rainbows and someone would be like <laughs> you know puppy farms are the devil you know <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> how do a you great know choice of using a french bulldog you know how you know how unethical french bulldogs yeah. are you're like <laughs> oh jeez okay yeah you know i i think sometimes i I've, I've tried to operate whether i realize it or not uh yeah, th- almost like on on like a Twitter or something where you know it's public and you kind of just have to watch yourself. And it's almost like, you know, my dad actually oftentimes will listen to my marketing podcast. And I remember one time he sent me an email. All he said was like language, you know, because maybe I dropped a whatever <laughs> bomb on the show. And so I'm like, ah, I wrote back, I just wrote back, you know, dad, it's the hardcore marketing show. Like, what are you going to do? It's like, it's, 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 um, but, you know, just kind of being aware of when people are saying things. I think one of the things to be con- concerned about, we once had a, a a host that we work with and he interviewed a guest 
who was like, I guess you, I don't know, male chauvinist pig would be the the 80s equivalent of describing. He, this guy was like kind of gross and he was throwing out all this, this stuff. And then the host fell in this trap of being like, right, right. Like not agreeing, but, but sort of like giving him a verbal clue that he was listening, but it was like an affirmative. And that just was like a trap. And we actually didn't, we ended up not airing it that episode. We also told them we weren't going to like edit anything else like that in the future too, because it's just like, I don't want to subject our producers to that, but God, yeah, no. you have to be careful with your guests, you know, and, and, and set the bar for them. I've never, that's crazy, dude. You've done a lot more podcasting than me. So it's, it's likely that you've come across that. Um, I've never come across someone being like, that's unfortunate. Like, yeah. Any, in any form, like inappropriate or hateful, like, if anything, people are so reserved that I have to like pull out the silliness from them. And yeah. that's the hard part, right? And we talked about some of the ways to do that is um, give them something to react to. Um, you can do the the self-deprecation so they, they loosen up and know that it's cool. Um, the other thing I forgot to share is like sometimes I also do, I do like prepared skits with mm. my guests where like wow. we, we practice a sketch Um and it usually ends up being like what we call our teaser um, video or like it's like kind of inspired by the SNL yeah. 15 second commercials that come out. Um, like bef- like it's like, hey, I'm Jack Harlow and I'm helping to host Saturday Night Live this week with musical guest Alicia Keys. And then like <laughs> the, you know, the Keenan Thompson will do something silly off to the side and then it like cuts. And then um, we I do about 15 to 20 minutes at the end of my episode. And I might want to start doing them at the beginning. Uh, where we we film that to kind of just like, you know, have a good time, do something different, but also like we're practicing improv together and practicing acting and it's fun. Hell yeah. Dude, so many things I can talk to you about. So many things I could ask you about. Um, you know, one thing that did come up was the idea that you've created some really fun stuff. You're putting on places like TikTok. Um, have you had things go, go viral? My second ever TikTok went viral and got half a million views. Um, and that was the only one that ever went viral. That was back when like TikTok was like super easy in like, 20, <laughs> like 2021 where it was like really easy to go viral. Um, I've had a couple of podcast episodes, you know, tick on to like 3,500, 4,500 views, but nothing yeah. crazy. Um, we have like a core audience on average we get about a thousand downloads per episode wow um and pretty consistent about 10 to 20 percent growth quarter over quarter for us so until it plateaus we're just gonna keep going um yeah so that's yeah that's that's kind of been it for us now part two of that question is do you ever fall in the trap of wanting to make something go viral oh or having your leadership or imaginary leadership. So it's not like your actual boss. Do you, have you ever have had folks say like, just go make this thing go viral. Like quick, make us some thing that'll generate mad impressions like tomorrow. <laughs> Luckily, I've never had anybody. You have it. Okay, pa- cool. At Panadoc be like, we need to go viral. Um, I think they understand that that's like, that's like so hard to do, first right. of all. And like, we need it's- to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, um, no, but I myself, yeah, I do. Uh, of course, I'm a content creator. I want as many people to yeah. see my content as possible. So that's the name of the game. I think 
how I've come to terms with that that desire is if I'm laughing when I'm creating the content, that's like my number one barometer. Like I'm having fun. Like I created a TikTok right before I hopped on this podcast recording with you, Casey, and I was screaming laughing at my while I was editing the video in Premiere. Wow. And so like for me, I'm like, this is this is amazing. Like I'm just like jittery. I can't wait to share it with people. Um, so that's that's like I'm like, I go back to that. Like I'm having fun. I think like-minded people will also enjoy this. Yeah. And um I I hear feedback qualitatively that means more to me than any quantitative number or virality metric could. I get messages and DMs. I you know, I meet up with people in real life at conferences and they're like they're like, "Oh my god, it's you. I want you. Let's <laughs> talk about that one video you did. You made me so." And like that Oh, wow is like that warms my heart so much more that makes this like i'm like this is so cool i never thought i would be doing this for a job this is awesome so fun man um well i could literally talk to you all day i have 90 more topics to ask you about maybe that's <laughs> the future show right um have you come back on here you know every week essentially until we you know bleed you drive information I'm down. Um, <laughs> yes and <laughs> so uh where do you see your shows going? Where do you see your content going? We chat again in 50 episodes from now, a year's worth of time. What does it look like? I would love to have convinced my leadership to allocate um, more consistent budget to allowing me to fly people in for my podcast. That would be the biggest thing. So my show is in-person only. And it's one of the ways that I try to differentiate our show um, I have nothing against Zoom podcasts. I just find myself as a host. Personally, I'm not as great at it. You're much better. You're more animated than me, oh, Casey. Like, but it's so hard for me. And like, um, I found this really great studio that is also a Pandadoc customer, and they give us a really great deal on renting wow. out studio space. And I just have so much fun, like selfishly, getting to meet up with people in person. Uh, I work alone at home and so I'm like, get lonely sometimes. So this is really oh, yeah. fun for me. So I would say, yeah, getting Panadoc to be like, here's, I don't know, $25,000 a year. You can fly in whoever you want. All expenses paid for them. Bring in the biggest names you can with that budget. Like that would be my goal. 50 episodes from now, you can, you can, maybe I can fly you and Casey. Like you can, you can let me know. And and that'll be how you, you find out if I hit that vision, that goal. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hey, I, I don't even need you to pay for that. I say that now, but um, hey, a, a, a day in Tampa, let's go, right? <laughs> it's like got 13 some nice degrees here. right now in New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Man. That is so cool. Dude, where can people connect with you? They want to connect with you professionally. They also want to start checking out some of your things. What are some of the places they can go do that? Best place is LinkedIn. Travis Tyler, go look at PandaDoc on LinkedIn. Give, give me a connection request. Send me a DM. Um, if you're a TikTok person, which you should be. Come on. It's 2022. Um, Assuming stop. you want China to spy on you. Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. Spy on <laughs> me all you want. Use that firmographic you know, data all you want. Um, I'm just watching Little House on the Prairie on, on repeat, you know? So if they want to they spy, go for it. Go for it, man. I want my ads to be super targeted on TikTok. I don't give a shit. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> yeah, customer engagement lab on TikTok. You'll find me um, in wigs, costumes, um, doing, you know, watching and reacting to clips with my guests and my podcast, just having a good time. That's awesome. Dude, next, next time we do this, we're both in costume. What's your favorite costume? Um, I like dressing up as DocuSign. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. This is just, I have a, a paper costume I ordered on Amazon. It's literally a like mesh, like <laughs> school notebook piece of paper. And I wear it and I wear a suit with it. Nice. And that's my costume. And you basically like walk into walls. I got to check this out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of like, kind of like douchey, pretentious, expensive. Uh, so good. So good. <laughs> and you know, you are the kind, you know, if you're listening out there, you are exactly what you use to sign your documents. So you can either be a hip, cool panda or you can be the other guys. That's right, man. Right on. You get it. Dude, thank you so much for coming on here. I have had so much fun. Uh, and you know, I had fun, you might've had fun and we're hoping the audience did too, but man, what a great instruction for how to let go of the fear of looking stupid and get into some of that improv. I really appreciate you coming on here. Hell yeah, Casey. This is fucking awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And so for those listening, if you did learn something or have fun and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, <laughs> then share this with someone else. That's thought leadership. Share something with one person three people, 9,000 people get good information in other people's hands. And with that, you are the man, sir. Thanks again for coming on here, dude. Deuces. Adios. Thanks, brother. Awesome, everyone. This has been another crazy cool episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.